0: Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. Thanks for that, Fitz. Appreciate it. Okay, we're back here on the EA Podcast. Bart Scott in studio. Before we talk New York Jets football, there was something on television this week that 84 million people watched. The presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Did you watch Bart Scott? You know what's crazy? I watched, I watched, I didn't
1: watch football. I watched the debate. It was entertaining, man. I tell you what, you know, I don't know about the body chemistry experts and all that stuff, but it was awkward watching Donald Trump in a split, split screen. You know, he couldn't be on his best behavior for the entire time, man. He, I, you, heard, you heard some, some, he, he was thirsty, his throat was dry, he was, in, he was disruptive. You know, and that's him on his good behavior. You know, on the in, you know on the the uh, Republican primaries is even crazy because then he it's kind of hard for him. He's between a rock and a hard place. He can't really insult a, insult a lady, you know. He can't really call her little Mario, you know, little Rubio, and all that type of stuff. So he was trying to be on his best behavior, but you could see that she was poking a bear and getting underneath his skin. It was it was hilarious. It was fun to watch. But you know, it's, what what was was interesting to me. And I don't know how you see it, is how the difference between the way CNN covers it and the difference between Fox. Now, listen, me watching, I think he lost. He, he didn't do a great job. He may have had a couple of moments where he were more informed than others, but he didn't come off presidential to me. But you talk to them, they are like, oh, my God, like, like he was like... Martin Luther King or something like he galvanized the world or something like it was like it was amazing. Then you turn to Senate, then you turn to CNN. They're like, man, that's the worst debate. He lost, blah blah blah. But there's no middle ground. There's right. never a middle ground. That so sometimes- I'm
0: always searching the television. I used to watch CNN a lot, and sometimes I sometimes I go to MSNBC. But again, those are networks yeah. that have a left leaning. And I'm yeah. a, I'll say it right now. We're not going to get too political. Yeah. But I'm an independent. So. Yeah.
1: That's you how I feel. I don't know what I I Listen, I, listen, I judge based on the person. Right. Like, listen, if I had a choice, I wouldn't vote for anybody this year. I would go none of the above. I forgot what movie that was when you vote none of the above. I think it was something with... Uh, was Chris
0: Rock in that?
1: No, no. I think it was Eddie Murphy when the, the guy died um, and he was the... Maybe he died and he was the... Uh, yeah, it was Eddie Murphy. Yeah, um, The guy died and he used his name... And people are just so used to just voting for the person's name that something Jefferson, they always vote for the name, so they never even look to pay attention to the ballot. You know, um Let me let me look this up here. But I tell you what, man, like Jesus. Now I
0: mean, it, there's a lot of people who say that people would react differently if they turned it down. I mean, I'm not one of those guys who are gonna watch it with the sound up and then see how I feel about it just by watching their facial gestures, but there are folks who say they react differently to it by hearing what they say and then their facial reactions. Yeah, I mean, you got these body language experts
1: that come in and say that, you know, he was drinking because he was getting nervous and he was anxious and had anxiety. And you say she was, you know, you can tell when when he he brought up the um, emails how that, you know, she started blinking, you know, rapidly. The and blinking, is right, right, the big right, thing, right? right. right? The right, blinking, they're working right. out for that. So, so what I'm trying to do is figure out how I can use these, but when I'm trying to get out of something with my wife, how can I use my body language to make
0: sure that you my body... You better not language. blink, man, because if you start blinking, you know something's going on. That's what well, or you what's scratch you Why are they against water? I like water. You know me, I'm always drinking. <laughs> they tell you to drink 100 ounces a day. But well, well, this guy had a couple sips of water, and they're well, like, what well, are you uh, doing?
1: 11 different times he had the water. Was it 11 It was 11 times? different times. and he, In their little glasses. Yeah. I think somebody's under there refilling them. You know what <laughs> I mean? And then, and then you know, I, I think they say he interrupted her 70 times. You can get away with that and be loud and, and braggadocious and, like, you know, over, over, you know, over talk you know in the in the republican primary when you got
0: 15 guys right right did. right
1: it's kind of like you know it's a show yeah. but when it's just two people it, it it comes off as annoying and and arrogant and you What know, do you think about the crowd?
0: What do you think about the crowd though because they tell people to come in there and be silent yeah. but my counter would be we used to work at Hofstra uh, back in the day Uh, That's where the Jets' home was, Uh, uh, and I worked there from 2001 to 2008 when this building started. But they tell people in that auditorium to come in and don't say anything. (laughs) But then why do they want them there? Right. Right. You know what I'm saying?
1: Exactly. We don't even have to show them. Yeah, right. You know, I guess for an atmosphere. You know? What do I mean? they like
0: the handshakes at the end? I guess. You I, know, I, everybody's got to claim victory, and then there's that awkward handshake at the end. Right. You know, like the little like handshake. You just, you, yeah, you
1: just talk stuff about me, and they even talked about the handshake. They talked about uh, yeah. that he invaded her personal space because he put her in, and he patted her on the back. <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> they say, she should have looked that at was him fine. more. fine. There's
0: never a like, win situation. Listen, what are you supposed to do, you? T- I hate him. He's <laughs> talking. About, he's
1: been talking crap about my. By my husband and talking about threatening to bring in cheaters, she's bringing in you know, Mark Cuban you know, to come in, somebody that I don't agree with, she, he, she, she's making all of these uh, ads about him and his past. It's and,
0: so hard when it gets personal. How would you handle that if you were a presidential candidate and somebody was talking like- But it's like- weird,
1: because he went at her for going at Barack Obama, yeah. but then he went after everybody in his party, but now they became friends. So now you hear...
0: Uh, uh, Ted, Ted Cruz. Yeah, you, yeah. you hear that- Christy.
1: Like, Ben Carson's there. I'm like, Ben, what are you doing, man? <laughs> the funniest thing for me is, uh, and I, I you know, I do a, a radio show with CBS, and I was just so appalled last week when I saw Don King come out. And listen, if Don King wants to support Donald Trump, I'm fine. But whoever's advising Donald Trump, the fact that they thought that bringing Don King was going to bring in the black vote have got to be has to have lost their mind or be crazy. Like I said before on my show, I said, listen, black people don't like Don King. You can't find people in their family that like Don King. And I said that Don King has robbed more black people than Omar from the wire. Like <laughs> oh, I, I brought up all five of the lawsuits that he had from Tim Witherspoon to Muhammad Ali, to, Muhammad, to, to Mike Tyson, to George Foreman, all the people that have sued him in court. Right. And you think that's gonna bring the black vote? You just lost the black boat. You want the black boat. You better get Oprah on your side. Yeah,
0: uh, Don King's pretty old now, huh? He's got to be in his late
1: 80s, right? Old people like that don't die. We <laughs> lose all the good ones. All the shikers and criminals and crooks live forever. But uh, then again, Muhammad Ali died. You know, Arnold Palmer died before Dying King. Arnold
0: Palmer, man. We got to. That's Sunday tough, was tough. Mm-hmm. You wake up in the morning, you hear about a 24 year old kid who dies in a boating accident. And then we fly life home from flight. Kansas City, and you hear about Arnold Palmer dying, just a legend, 87 years old. And I know he lived a tremendous life, but it just gives you cause for pause when came you have a day of, like that. It
1: came out of nowhere. Listen, listen to who we lost this year. We lost Muhammad Ali this year, one of the biggest, you know, most recognizable athletes in the world. Forget athlete, most recognizable person in the world. You know, it's amazing. You know, we're losing all our great guys. You know, we, Prince died this year. Yeah. You know, we're losing all our heroes are dying. And it's time, and I don't really see where it's being replenished, where those great figures in sports and society are being replaced. Where's the next great leaders? Right. Don't see them.
0: I feel like, and I don't know how you do, because you've been in the public eye for so long now, during your playing career, and now you're on CBS, and you're a national presence, you are a national brand. I feel like these uh, folks, the way we cover things nowadays, is they don't allow anybody to be a hero. And when I say that, I mean, with Twitter, and the ultimate response is everybody has a flaw, and we are going to crush you. Like Muhammad Ali, I feel like yeah, during, his infidelities
1: der- and stuff like that would have dehumanized. During
0: his time, well, he got a lot of backlash for the stands he took. And then it took decades for people to say, him. Hey, really, this guy did a lot of good, and he stood by his principles and what he believed in. And then he got credit for it. I feel like if Muhammad Ali lived in a time like today, he would be vilified yeah, all over it.
1: the place. They'd have burned him. Well, they put him in jail, so I don't know how much more no, he'd be no, vilified. No, no, I know, but, but they yeah, used yeah, yeah. it with the Twitter, you know? Yeah, let me but, tell you something. What happens now, even if you think about one of the most famous athletes in the world, LeBron James, he's too accessible. See, it used to be that our stars were so unaccessible, we didn't really know much about them, so we put him on a pedestal. But now what happens is it's just like when you meet somebody famous, right? Yes. And they're your hero. And the more you're around them, the more normal they become. Right. So you take them off of that pedestal. They become normal to you. And that's what's happening with our stars. We look at LeBron like just a regular guy. Oh, he got problems or, you know, this happened or. Right. We're looking for
0: so many flaws. Oh, my God. He's chewing his nails on the bench. That means that. Oh, look at at his hairline. He's he's not going to be able to take control. Oh, he didn't take the shot at the end of the game. It's. Or like, well, LeBron is a perfect example of it because he does not he doesn't have Jordan's personality, right? Like Jordan was was a killer. He was a cold-blooded killer. And LeBron is a tremendous player, but his personality is different well, than it,
1: Jordan's. It's how society has changed, right? Yeah. So it used to be like when you're my enemy, we weren't friends on the court, we weren't friends off the court. Now what happens is a lot of these kids that grow up going through the the AAU circuit so they're around each other so they become friends so they can be competitive and and, and, and play but it's not that killer instinct you know you think about you know I think about bird and in the Pistons I think about magic in the Celtics I think about those. real hate yeah there. I think about Jordan listen Jordan kept Isaiah off the off the uh off the Olympic team and it was coached by his coach
0: so his exactly. coach
1: couldn't get Isaiah on the on the Olympic team because Jordan hated uh, Isaiah, that bad. Right. That you wouldn't allow him to get an opportunity to become a gold medalist? when you try and tell me that he wasn't one of the best players at that time in the game? Come on, man. What, what I you, love Stockton, but come on, man. What, what do you think? Christian Legner wouldn't have had a spot.
0: No. Well, Legner was that. Oh, yeah, that the The great college player, so they had to put him in there. Uh, you just mentioned the Pistons and Jordan, which goes. You Can you imagine the bad boys now? The bad boys in today's era, they would be so vilified. They changed the rules. Yeah, they did. But when those guys walked off the court, when Jordan finally beat them, you're a competitor, and sometimes you were high, and sometimes you were low, and you were all over the place. So... What do you think about that because you grew up in Detroit? Well, I, well, I think they were con- the the
1: Pistons were were conditioned to do that. Yeah. Because that had happened to them when the Celtics they finally beat the Celtics. Remember the Celtics walked off the court too. So they were just doing what they thought great organizations did. Like, you know, they walked off early like, yeah, we lost, but we're not going to give you the satisfaction. We're not going to give you the the uh, appreciation or saying,
0: you know... We're not giving you... It, yeah. it was a lack of respect, but, but, right? But, yeah, it was a lack
1: of respect. Like, we still hate you, forget y'all. Yeah. I hope y'all lose. Right. You know what I mean? Where There I was think, no passing the, the, the torch. Yeah. They never yeah. said... Right. The it's one, our
0: belt. We're giving it to you now. Yeah, you, you earned guys it. You earned it. it. Go, yeah. go go go! Get that. Title. No, they said it was our belt. You took it. Whatever. We're done. Right. We're, we're not going quietly into
1: the night. Right. And remember when the Celtics finally lost? Remember because Isaiah threw the ball in and it got stolen by Byrd and gave it to Dennis Johnson. What, and the it was the famous call? This, yeah, this eighty-seven.
0: Dollar <laughs> <laughs> Well that Eight was nine yeah, nine. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. It, <laughs>
1: so that was like that was like eighty-seven. The Pistons came back and finally beat them as they were getting older in eighty-eight. And as the Pistons were getting older. You know, Jordan finally got help because um, remember the year before, uh, Scotty got ill because he took it a beat and had migraines. He couldn't help in Game Seven. The Pistons came back and won when they went back to back. Right. But you know, like the only person that could the Pistons when they finally beat the aging Celtics team was Kevin McHale. Remember it's the famous high five that he kind of gave to Isaiah before, and they went and won it. Um, that's just the way it, it, it's changed. It's the the kids don't have that killer instinct and it's no right way or wrong way because it's a different situation how they're growing up. You know, they're growing up together so how can Carmelo hate LeBron when they played against each other in college I meaning in um the AAU circuit and they was all over the world hanging out probably playing video games all of a sudden I'm supposed to hate you? Right. You know, no it's not like that. And you and sometimes you get the old timers talking about back in my day, but things change. I'm sure, you know, the people that Things were, do change,
0: but it is tough. Yeah. Listen, me I haven't In this business now, close to two decades, and you do sometimes, and and I know I sound like an old guy when I say this, but you do say, well, back in the early 90s, you had dynasty teams in the National Football League or late 80s. You saw the 49ers come up and, you know the Bills went to four straight Super yeah. Bowls and, and that will never happen again. New England New England's the only team who's had back to back. It, in a fifteen year run where you know they're gonna be in the playoffs.
1: Right. Well, the, the 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 difference is you got to understand free agency is different. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, free agency
0: changed everything because you mentioned Mello. Well, it was
1: Reva, it was Reva's uncle who was one of the, the Sean the, Gilbert, sons, right? Who was very instrumental in that, and it
0: gave gave
1: the players flexibility, gave the players more power. You know, you talk you talk about you know the early Dallas Cowboys; those guys couldn't go anywhere. You talk about uh, super you, you, you talk about the steel curtain in the '70s; those guys were on a contract, basically lifetime contracts. They couldn't go anywhere if they wanted to, but then again, they couldn't get the financial natural benefits of being a free agent going to the free market so it's a good thing for the players it may not be a good thing for the fan base because they lose some of their stars what do you think about it as a
0: fan
1: I mean as a fan you get you have to understand I I always laugh when people want to criticize Kevin Durant you know you and he finally came out and said listen I understand y'all don't care about me. Y'all don't care about my interests. All you care about is me and what I can do for your team. But outside of that, you don't care about me. You don't care if I want to live in a city where I can go fishing. You don't care if I live in a city where I want to live in for the rest of my life. Or you don't care if I want to raise my family in a different place or something like that. You don't care. All you care about what I can do for you. And as soon as I'm not yours anymore, now you hate me and you talk more. Former fans talk more crap. How about Cleveland? Burn his jersey, come back, now you love him again. Yeah. But you like put his name through the money, even the owner, right? Right. And then he left, came back, and now
0: you now you love me. I don't Again. have a problem with what Durant did. You know, because he thought this situation was best for him, and like you're saying, it's free agency. Now, would I prefer? In, uh, the, in a dream world that he and Westbrook were an OKC for a long time? Tell me yeah. this. Yeah. But, but, tell me, but uh, I don't have a problem yeah. for but him. But tell me this.
1: Nobody cried when James Harden left. Nobody cried when Ibaka left. Nobody – Ibaka asked to be traded. Right. You don't hear anybody criticizing him or burning his jersey. Yeah, and Durant seems like a nice guy. He seems like one of the nicest. guys he, in he, the NBA. He left there from Seattle. It's his right to be a free agent. This is the second time he's a free agent. Yeah. If he sees this trend and he wants to play, you only get one one go round of this thing being an athlete. Right. You know what I mean? There's no senior citizen tur- uh, circuit. For, for basketball players. If he wants to go play somewhere, that's his, that's his prerogative. He gave you everything he had when he was there. You can't say he didn't play hurt. You didn't say he didn't perform at a high level. If he decides to leave, that's his prerogative. He's the best, how many, how many score in NBA. How many people, you know, those same people that are criticizing him, how many of those people would stay at the same job? Right. If offered a better, more attractive job, how many people in OKC, if they were offered the same job and uh, up in, in and in a raise in pay in LA, would say no? I love Oklahoma. So we always ask our athletes to do something that we wouldn't do in our lives. There, we ask them to take less money. We right. ask them to not move, not take their family considerations into into account, not 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 pay attention to, to markets or anything like that. But they wouldn't do it in their lives. Oh, he's greedy. He said he wants all his money. So, your boss tell you you can get this money. You gonna say no? Yeah, yeah. You could. but you expect athletes to do it? Right. It's 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 crazy hypocrisy.
0: It is uh, fascinating. Well, let's talk a little Jets. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, uh, green and white have to flush this out of their system quick, just like the Cincinnati Bengals game. Because after that week, uh, Todd Bowles said, "Hey, short week. We got to move on to Buffalo," and they did mm-hmm. indeed do just that. They lose to Kansas City 24-3. Mm-hmm. Turnover festival. Ryan mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick struggled. He's, he admits to trying to do too much at times. Obviously, that's what happens when you have a six interception game. You still only lose by 21, which is saying something in itself. But now, how do you move quickly from that ball game to Seattle? Well, what happens is it snowballs,
1: right? Yeah. And sometimes when you and you watch teams when they have a bad week, they come back and have a better week. And people were like, oh, well, why didn't they play with the same passion? Because it's something about being desperate. And you, you got to think, they were facing a desperate team in the Kansas City Chiefs. What happened to them the week before? They
0: lost in Houston. Absolutely. They so, the they were,
1: so they were more in their game. They, went, they had more attention to detail in practice. They probably got MF'd in practice, in film room. They probably you know, were riled up, and they used the, the, the emotion of the crowd. Tony Richardson went into the Hall of Fame that day. Right, in their ring of honor. So it was, a lot honor. Of, it was a lot of emotion there, and the guys performed at a high level. And what happens is when you have mistakes, and if you want to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his six interceptions, only give him credit for three of them. You know, two deflected balls, and, a, and the last one was just trying to take a shot and trying to get back in the game with a wheel route. Uh, but you got to take your hats off to the defense because really the defense only gave up, of all those turnovers, the defense only gave up 10 points. You know, one was a, uh, a, a fumble on special teams. Or intercepted. I don't know what you want to say because he caught it and he went right into the guy's hands. Right. That you know that one, and then I believe what was the other? Well,
0: it was after Fitz's first interception, which was Marcus Peters. They had a 35-yard drive, and they, they cashed in with a touchdown on that one.
1: Yeah, that's the only drive that they. The other ones, am I am I correct? Didn't they score two touchdowns, one on defense and one on offense? Yeah. Derek well, Johnson scored. Well, on an interception. so
0: yeah, I mean you had the 35-yard drive off the turnover. You had. Johnson's return for yep. the, for the touchdown. And then the you other of special the teams. Right. Return for a touchdown so that's 14 points. So then they gave so 10 points. So it's 10 points and seven of those came off a 35-yard drive.
1: My point. So, you know, as a defense, you got to say, listen, and and you know, we can't give up the 35 yards no matter what. You know, you, you strive for perfection. You always closer to 40, yeah. right? Yep. You you're always you're always going to fall short. But you always strive for per- perfection. Now, listen there's a lot of positives that go in when you only give up ten points. You didn't hang your hat. You didn't point your finger at the offense. The team stayed together, you know, and you just move forward from there. You know what? You have to just weather this storm, this tough patch of your, this tough stretch of your schedule, and make sure that you're peaking in November, or December, playing you, the best ball, and you want to be in contention. You want to be in striking distance. All
0: right, Bart, do you buy that? Uh, because fans can watch a game and sometimes say, "Team looks flat." or they look listless. You as a former player, do you buy into any of that? Of course that can happen. But like you were saying, defense didn't give up too much. You just didn't have a big play to get you going. Right. You're just waiting for that
1: that, you know, the football guys, you know, usually bless you. Usually what happens is is like, you know, it, it the it, it swings back and forth, right? right? So sometimes like all the bounces go to to, to to you in the first half, and then usually goes to the other team in the second half. Well, it never went the other way for, for the Jets. They didn't get that big turnover. They didn't get that easy score. You know, they didn't get that momentum changing type of play. You know, they didn't get that. It just didn't happen, and sometimes it happens, and what happens is you try and stay within yourself and not press. But at some point you say maybe it's not going to happen you start pressing. So I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick, because things weren't happening, they were trying to press, trying to get the big play, You know, trying to make sure that you continue to take the big shots to try and get the easy score. You want to get the easy score, just think the, the Kansas City Chiefs got two easy scores. Yep. Like two scores they didn't have to work for, one play, bam, over with. Yep. You know what I mean? So the, the Jets were looking for that one easy score, just kind of change it to put the pressure back on Kansas City. Because the defense was playing well, if you could have put the pressure back on them, but you needed a big play, an easy score, a score that didn't take you know a six-minute drive or seven-minute drive, you need a 30-second score, a fumble, a return, so right, guys start it's, pressing. It's
0: hard in the right, so it's harder than NFL. You safe. guys always say this to drive 80 yards when tough. when you're Nicklin and diamond down the field, and you and don't have the a big explosion.
1: And play. they were forcing them to, the, the just to stay patient. And, you know, when you play patient, eventually you have to try and take a shot and stay aggressive. And they capitalized when they were trying to be aggressive.
0: How can they match up offensively with the Seattle's defense? We talked about it on our film review that people can watch. in Jets Flight Plan, CBS yeah, 1130. We're trying to get an Emmy. Sunday. And then 12 o'clock, you'll be on with the fellas with your big yeah, national show, the yeah. NFL Today, the Matt Backer. But how can the offense match up? with this defense that's been together for a number of years mm-hmm. and you talked about it on our film review mm-hmm. we got a loaded secondary still mm-hmm. guys who have a lot of chemistry back there and when i think about seattle's defense i think of all levels because of course richard sherman bennett chancellor and Bennett. Earl Thomas, yep. but Michael Bennett is one of the he's, better he's, defensive linemen in the National Football he, League, and Bobby Wagner is one of the top yeah. linebackers.
1: He, he, he's disruptive. You know, talking about Bennett, he's disruptive, and they use him everywhere. They'll isolate him on guards. I expect them to try and get him matched up on one of the guards because he's – you know, he's a smaller guy if you put him inside, but he's so quick and he's so explosive and powerful that he can get early pressure on the quarterback and flush him out. Right. You know, and they do a great job in that. You know, but you, we all know that the Seattle Seahawks really play cover three. So what you want to do is, much like teams used to try and do with Palomalu, you know, you want to try and get him isolated with formation, with shifts and, and motions to try and get him matched up and force him to cover. You're talking about Cam Chancellor. Yeah, Cam Chancellor. Not not to cover and... and, and um, Not to cover in space in the zone, but you want to force him to try and carry you long. So all zones become man-to-man after a certain amount of time. So they play cover three. So if you run a vertical route, four verts, which cover three, you only have three deep, that means somebody underneath has to carry. Well, a lot of times that's going to be um, Cam Chancellor, and he struggles in coverage And a lot of teams last year. You think about last year when the uh, Carolina Panthers beat him. they, They used Olsen right up the seam, right? And that's what you want to do. You want to try and get him out of his comfort zone, make him have to cover a covering space against one of your better guys. And you can do that because you understand that a lot of times they don't match up. Richard Sherman, if it's cover three, a zone, he's going to be outside. And you, you can put your, your your studs inside, and that matches them up against either Wagner or it matches them up against uh, Cam Chancellor or Earl Bennett, which Earl Thomas, which I think is an uh, advantage to the Jets because they have so much depth that they can go for receivers and force those guys to
0: have to cover. This is the EA Podcast. That is Bart Scott. That's as, it. As, no, as you mentioned, Chan Gailey's got some options. He could put Decker Air Marshall inside. And Richard Sherman a lot of times is gonna stay outside, mm-hmm. no matter who is inside. Who do you think it makes makes it all go back there? Would you say I've spent saying for years, now you're more of an expert than me, mm-hmm. but I've been saying for years that secondary is all about Earl Thomas.
1: Well Earl Thomas is uh he's explosive, he's one of the better. You know, to me the the two young, you know, studs at that position, you know, some people I like Tyson Gibson a little bit, but he's he's gonna get lost down there in Jacksonville. You know Eric Berry and you talk about Earl Thomas, two of the younger, most explosive playmaking type of um, um, safeties. You know, when I think about Thomas, I think of uh, Bob Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, he's a physical guy. He can close. He can cover a lot of ground. He's very physical at the point of attack. He's going to cut your legs out. He's going to you know get there. He's he, even though he's small, he plays big. You know so. He's the guy that you have to account for. Cam is like the devastat, he's like the Marshawn Lynch. He sets the tempo for them. Right. He gets the big Ooh and yeah. that gets everybody ready to go. Like right when, you know, Marshawn. Totally right, exactly. Or like when Chris Ivory come down, and run somebody over, it, it 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 uh energizes the entire team. Yeah. You know, so you have to make sure that you get him down and not feeling great. But also if you get opportunity with Thomas, I take that I'll take that matchup against Thomas and Decker or Pink. or Thomas and Marshall. Every day of the week, even Thomas in the new because he's a smaller guy, he's right. short. So, you know, the catch rate is is, is larger than his defense rate is. Because so, you right. so throw the ball up top, he can't get there. Yeah. You know, all he can hope is to try and strip it out your hands. You catch it at
0: his highest point, he can't climb that high. Bart Scott is telling you uh, the Jets got to attack offensively, saying four verticals, and that's what we saw a lot against the Buffalo Bills, and the Jets took advantage of that. So, They'll be in comeback mode offensively this week. We know that a great challenge ahead. Uh, Robbie Anderson made a couple catches, and the kid could fly. Maybe they'll use him a little bit well, on the outside this week.
1: He can, he can stretch his own. Yeah. But, but what's going to be important is they have to keep their eye on Tyler Lockett. Not so much, you know, you got to watch him in the, in the in the passing game, but you can't have letdowns because he's special returning the ball. Yeah, he's you a good can't, you, you can't allow him to to flip the field position and establish, you know, Phil you know, great field position for the, for the team because he's able to flip the flip the field quickly because he's really electric. He's one of the better young returners. So if you can, you know, I know a lot of people are doing these bloop kicks and things like that. Just kick the ball out of the end zone. Give him the ball at the 25. Don't give him an opportunity to make a big impact play.
0: I like him a lot. Uh, he made a lot of plays at Kansas State, and he got knocked for his size, that's why he goes a little bit later in the draft. But he's just a good football player. Yeah. He can make plays as a receiver, too. Locking he's is explosive. Good, yeah, and you mentioned on our film. Kirsten Baldwin is good, too. Yeah, and, and you talked about yeah. Jimmy Graham. Yeah, 6-400.
1: You know, last year, I think they really couldn't find a rhythm. They didn't know how to use him. Yeah. And their offense took off when he got hurt. But last week you talk about him a a a tight end, a pass receiving tight end. You don't have to worry about him much in the run game. So very
0: much like Kelsey because
1: yeah, you absolutely. said the same
0: thing as Kelsey last week. Not not a guy right. who's gonna be an opposing blocker. Right. But they're and gonna move him around. They're gonna move him around, get get the matchups and also they're gonna they're
1: gonna see if the Jets made the corrections. You know, what what they did last week, they run, you know, clear outs and they kinda let Kelsey sneak out, you know, behind because everybody knows that the Jets, you know, play a lot of man to man defense. So now what happens is you run over routes and guys can get caught up in the trash and you get a guy like Jimmy Graham, you know, who doesn't run as well after the catch as Kelsey, but he can make the catch and get a couple of yards afterwards. Kelsey is a guy who once he catches it, he's one of the better you know, run after the catch tight ends, but you still have the same post, the same problem, because Jimmy Graham can high point the ball. And if you're if you playing that, you're going to have to communicate with the linebackers and say, hey, give me some help. Or if you have the running back and your running back stays in and you see Jimmy Graham come, coming underneath, shallow underneath the linebackers, you know, and I have a man to man, give me, give me a little hamburger helper. Give him a
0: chip on the way out. Slow him down so I can catch up. And you said communication will be key again this week especially if they're trying to get Jimmy Graham involved in this game early between the linebackers and the secondary. Uh, Russell Wilson loves going to Doug Baldwin, who's not a prototypical number one receiver, yes. but he's just a productive dude.
1: Scrappy. He reminds yes. me of this, – this receiving staff reminds me of the Patriots' old staff with Branch, Patton, and Troy Brown. Troy Brown. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. can put Tyler Lockett as Troy Brown. You could put uh, Baldwin to replace Patton and Kurtz to replace uh, Branch. You know, they just play well together. They're a scrappy group. They're not a highly decorated group. But you talk about last year, you know, nobody had more touchdowns in the second half of the um, year than, you know, Russell to Baldwin. You know, he's really scrappy. He's competitive because he had to fight for everything that that he's gotten. And they rewarded him with a lucrative deal, but he's still bringing that same type of passion.
0: And with Russell, you broke it down great on film, is that he breaks contain and you're done. You're done because he's either getting 15 or 20 on the ground and not taking the big hit, Mm -hmm. or he's going out top vertically. Because his his small stature, the funny thing about him coming out was people were like, the arm strength. I don't know about the arm strength. The arm strength. He he, he throws the nicest.
1: Long ball in the game. Yeah, on a rope, on a rope. You know, I know (laughs) Flacco would say a little bit about that, but, you know, Russell Wilson, what what makes him so special, he's able to buy time, but he's not a guy that's going to panic in the pocket and just run and start looking to run immediately. His eyes are always downfield. And they understand, much like Ben Roethlisberger, when he gets out, everybody turns their routes and they go vertical. And he's able to find them. But what happens is when he turns vertical, if you're in a zone, sometimes you lose your guy because he's running vertical. And that's not your zone anymore. But the guy that's deep is gone because everybody's turning up. So you saw last week when he bought time that he was able to find Jimmy Graham because once it was a zone, people clear your zone. Now zones expand. You know, and he's able to buy time because he's a dual threat, and he doesn't take big hits. He always slides. You know, he's a great baseball player, so he knows how to slide, get down early. But he kills you, and that's what happens. And he usually waits to the second half when the game is on the line to do that. He's injured. It's going to be important for the Jets not to get past. We talk about rushing the edges. We talk about never getting past quarterback depth because when you get past quarterback depth, you allow the quarterback to step up and step out. You want him to be able to throw, have to throw the ball. From a phone booth, you want him contained where he's not the tallest guy, so he needs lanes to see through and to throw through. The same lanes that he throw through, he run through. But if you keep him bottled up, now
0: he has to try and throw over the top. You guys love that as, as players. You we always hear use, that all no. this week is maintain brush lines. Yeah.
1: and we always we always use that against Michael Vick because Michael Vick wasn't tall, so you know, like Brady, like uh, Peyton, like. Uh, Even Luck or Cam Newton, who can throw over the The defense. Slack all. Because they're they're actually just as tall as their linemen, so they can throw over. You want to try and stir the pocket and distort his vision to make him have to move left or right. In our paper, the Jets
0: should be able to do that. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from It's not a great
1: offensive line. Right,
0: yeah and we're not taking shots here, but this is the unit that has struggled Keep here. it real
1: going wrong. Yeah. Can you're know, you looking Br- at
0: Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, who you're sitting down with on Friday. I'm excited to watch that one. Um, Leonard Williams is a beast in the second season. Steve McClendon's been a nice pickup. I'm saying, on paper, the Jets' defensive line could make this a long afternoon for Russell Wilson because while, and he's while Michael has got some nice... Uh, numbers. No Marshawn Lynch there anymore. And right. Seattle's rush game, they're, struggling right they're now. still trying to figure it out, right?
1: Who they're going to be this year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like how they used Lee last last week against Alex Smith, who's an underrated athletic guy. But, you know, you also can use some of the same principles with Little him. Spine. Right, with him spying as well. So when he does do that, you put the pressure on him to make him have to make a decision earlier. Can't allow him to go dot back there because he'll, he'll he'll pivot. He'll you know, speed turn, lose ground, and come up. You know, run around out back there, but you're forcing your corners to have the cover for six, seven seconds, and he'll find somebody eventually. You know, so you put the spy on him, so as soon as he breaks the contain, you got somebody right there in his face making him have to make a decision.
0: Styles make fights. Do you like uh, the matchup uh, for the Jets?
1: I like this matchup. I like this matchup a lot. Um, also, I think it's important that they jump on him early and make sure that they set the tone early with getting to, getting to Russell Wilson. You know, you watch the, you uh, um, you watch how Miami got out there when they went out there, and, and they, the Rams. Right. So they, uh, you they, they you always talk, lose to the Rams. You, but you what, talked but, about but, it before, but, they, but, but what's a, what does what does the Rams have? They dominate up front. Exactly. They
0: dominate with the defensive line. That's exactly. Why, That's
1: what makes them different because they don't have to blitz because they have a great front four that can beat their line. So the Jets, you know, I would say, you know, if you talk about the best, you know, front four, you would have to say that the Rams and the Jets are pretty similar. I would give the edge to the Jets. You know, so
0: playing a lot of four-three this year too, because you're getting your best players on the field. Last week we saw a lot of David Harris in the middle, flanked by two rookie linebackers, and I thought both of them uh, showed uh, showed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Jordan Jenkins, I think he's got old man strength. The <laughs> third-round pick from Georgia, he he, he just <laughs> comes in there and he's got it. A lot of young guys, you can tell they got to put on weight and things like that. Yeah. I think he he kind of has it. And then Lee. Uh, a ways to go, but he's showing that athleticism as Glasses. well. All right, so, next week, since we talked debate coverage, next week we're getting into the top five boxers of all time. Well, let's and do he,
1: it. You do your research. If
0: you want to tweet us, it's at you know, and yeah. Jackson. What are you at? At Bart Scott 57. Yeah. You don't even check it, to you? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check it this week. Uh,
0: <laughs> there he is, the mad backer, Bart Scott. That's it for the EA podcast. We're coming back next week, breaking down. Jets, Seahawks previewing Jets, Steelers, and also taking a look back at one of the most ferocious sacks of all time as the madbacker backer got the Ben Roethlisberger. Uh-oh. He's gonna relive it. Are next you gonna week.
1: pull it up? Yeah, nice.